You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Our New Testament reading this morning uh, comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we've heard from, from Mark 1 a, a couple of times in the past few months. There's a lot packed into this, this first chapter, and we're just taking a little bit of it, right kind of near the middle. Uh, so listen for God's word to you. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who we also know as Peter, saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the ways that it speaks to us through the ages, for the ways that it speaks to us through our ages. And so open our ears to these scriptures today and to your word proclaimed. And through it, may your spirit speak something that is meaningful to each of us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as I said uh, before I read the Mark passage, there's a lot packed into these seven verses. I really didn't realize how much until I really dug into them this week. We could almost go word for word in these, these seven verses but we don't have time for all of that. So I'm afraid that I'm only going to scratch the surface of what's going on in these seven quick verses. But I hope that I can at least unpack a little bit of what Jesus' message of repentance and the good news is really about. And maybe a little bit about what Jesus means about the kingdom of God as well. To give you a sense of just how compact this first chapter of Mark is, listen to everything that happens in Mark chapter 1. After a brief introduction, John appears in the wilderness calling people to repentance and baptizing them and promising that someone greater is coming after him. Jesus is baptized by John and there's a voice from heaven. Jesus is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness where he is tempted by Satan. John is arrested and Jesus begins his public ministry. Jesus calls his first four disciples. Jesus teaches in his home synagogue and drives out an evil spirit. Jesus goes to Simon Peter's house and heals his mother-in-law. Jesus goes from town to town to town, preaching in synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus cures a leper 
And finally, by the end of the first chapter of Mark, Jesus becomes so popular that he can no longer enter a town, but stays out in the country teaching the throngs of people that come to hear him. All of that in just 45 verses, one chapter at the beginning of Mark. And we're just focusing on seven of those this morning. Our little passage for today begins with the arrest of John. John, who had been such a strong force in preparing the way for Jesus, John's ministry came to an end, and immediately Jesus' ministry began. It's not clear from the gospel if Jesus began his ministry because John was arrested, but Mark makes it very clear that the focus has decisively changed. It has decisively shifted away from this strange prophet calling people out into the wilderness toward this mysterious man, Jesus, who has just burst onto the scene and has been declared to be God's beloved son. But while the focus has shifted, Jesus' message is oddly similar to that of John the Baptist's. Repent, Jesus says. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. And this message, this message is what Mark calls the good news of God, the gospel of God. Mark's gospel as a whole is introduced in the very first verse as being about the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here, 13 verses later, Jesus begins to proclaim the good news of God, namely that the time has come, that God's reign has finally come to us. It may sound a little odd in our ears to think of the word repent in conjunction with Good news, good news of God. The word repent tends to call to mind images of street corner preachers standing outside concert venues or adult establishments, holding up a black leather King James Bible, waving it around and shouting at anyone who passes by. I actually ran into a little bit tamer version of of that kind of person uh, outside uh, Bon Secours Arena for a, a hockey game last night. Or maybe we think of scenes like what we heard about in, the, in Jonah. Jonah walking a third of the way into to Nineveh, that great capital of Assyria, the people who had conquered the, the, the nation of Israel with a half-hearted message, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Where's the good news in that? Turn or burn, right? That's the image that the word repent brings to mind. Impending doom, unless, unless you change your ways, unless you give up those things that you enjoy. Either way, it sounds not fun, not good news. Fire and brimstone or eternal torment and hell, those are the images that so often come to mind when we hear the word repent. Repent or else. 
The only care it offered many times is simply to avoid a very big stick. But somewhat oddly to our ears, Jesus and Mark both call this call to repentance the good news of God. When Jesus begins his ministry crying out for people to repent, it is not repent or else. No, it is repent because. You see, repentance isn't so much about stopping a particular sinful practice. It is about turning around. It is about a reorientation of your life to go in a different direction. In the Jonah story, for instance, a Hebrew word for repentance is used to describe how the Ninevites turned from their evil ways. But that same Hebrew word for repentance is also used to describe how God relented from the calamity that God had planned to bring on the Ninevites. God repented just as the people of Nineveh repented. Both did a 180 and radically changed the direction that they were about to go. If you were at the confirmation retreat last weekend, or if you were in any of those baptism orientation classes I used to teach to young parents, you might remember me talking about how in the early church, baptisms would often take place at dawn on Easter morning. The congregation would gather at a baptistry or at a lake or a river, wherever the baptism was going to happen And the person or people who are being baptized would turn uh, to the west. And let's see, I think west is this way, which actually works for this. They would turn to the west and they would renounce evil and its power over their life. And then, then they would physically turn to the east. And just as these lights are shining in my face, uh, what would they have been facing if they turned to the east? They would have been facing the sunrise. They physically turn from darkness to light and facing the rising sun, they profess their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then they were baptized. What a powerful image of what it means to repent, to turn around from darkness to light. What a powerful image of that new life that we are given. Well, back to our, our seven verses from Mark. Verses 14 and 15 are really a summary of Jesus' entire ministry in Mark. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The kingdom of God that has come near is really what Jesus' whole ministry is about. I remember in my New Testament classes in college, it was drilled into us that Jesus preached the kingdom and then the disciples preached Jesus. And the kingdom of God, or if we're reading the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, same thing, it's not some other physical place. And it's not the same as heaven. It's not some place we go when we die. Some more recent translations 
have translated that phrase that Jesus used over and over again as the reign of God. I love that translation because it brings the idea of God's kingdom into the here and the now. God's reign on earth has come near, and in fact, it is present here and now in the ministry of Jesus and in the continuing work of the Holy Spirit among us. So to repent then is to change our allegiance, to change what it is that gives us the authority that we follow and what it is that gives us identity, to change it from the powers of worldly politics or money or power or anything else that seeks to give us our identity or seeks to call us to allegiance, to turn and change the direction of our lives, to transfer that identity and that allegiance to God. And when we keep reading in the Gospel of Mark, that's exactly what we see in those next five verses. When Jesus calls those first disciples, first he called out to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. The NRSV renders those words of Jesus, follow me and I will make you fish for people. But that may not be the best translation of the Greek. The older translation that many of us probably grew up with maybe captures what's going on there better. The older language of fishers of men, fishers of people. Jesus did not give those fishermen yet another task to add to their busy lives. You fish for fish, now you're going to fish for people. No, Jesus gave them a new identity. They had been fishers of fish, now they were fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. They repented, to use that language that Jesus uses at the top of of this section. They changed the direction of their lives. And then in the next few verses, we see the Zebedee brothers, James and John, do exactly the same thing. They too repent. They change the direction of their lives. They change their allegiance to the reign of the God who bid them to come and follow Jesus. I keep using this word repent because it's the word that Jesus used. And note that nowhere in this text do we get any indication that Andrew, Simon Peter, James, and John are especially sinful people. When we encounter them, we don't find them carousing or living in sin. We find them working at their trade with their families. The Zebedee family was apparently wealthy enough to be able to hire additional people to work in their fishing business. That means they may have been of some means and had some education. And then there's Peter. I mentioned earlier that um, before the end of Mark chapter 1, Jesus and his four new disciples will go to the home of Andrew and Peter, where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. 
Now, I'm actually a little embarrassed to admit how far I was out of seminary and how far into my ordained ministry I was before I put two and two together and realized that in order for Peter to have a mother-in-law, he had to have been married. No wife is mentioned in the text, but he had to have a wife to have a mother-in-law. For all we know, there could have been children as well. We don't know. What we do know is that there was an ailing mother-in-law in that household, an ailing mother-in-law that Jesus healed. And yet, Peter, Andrew, James, and John left their families and their businesses immediately, without a moment's hesitation, because Jesus called them to follow him. It is a miraculous change in their lives, and I don't use that word lightly. I have no other explanation for such an immediate and radical change in their lives than the work of the Holy Spirit in them. Truly, as Jesus said, the reign of God had come near, and these four men are now living with a different allegiance, a new identity a new life. They had repented. They had radically changed the direction that they were going. And you know, I think Jesus calls us all to that same kind of repentance. We may not be called to leave our families or our jobs, but we are called to a no less thoroughgoing change in our lives. Following Jesus is not just some add-on to our life. Not just some kind of optional insurance we add just in case. We are called to make following Jesus the very center of our lives. We are called to give our allegiance to the reign of God in our own lives. Wherever God has placed us. And this is what Mark and Jesus call the good news of God. What I love about how Jesus called these four fishermen, and Alan alluded to this in the children's sermon, is that Jesus went to them. John the baptizer had been out in the wilderness and called people out to him But Jesus, Jesus traveled around and went to where the people already were. He met them where they were in the midst of their lives. And he called them there into a new direction in life. But as they went in that new direction, they didn't leave behind all that they were these fishermen became fishers of men, fishers of people. And isn't that how God so often works in our lives? When God calls us, God calls us to use our skills, our abilities, our resources, our experiences, 
but also even our tragedies and our pain. God calls us to use all that we have been and all that we are as our lives move in bold new directions, as we more and more and more give our allegiance to the reign of God in our lives. We may not be called away from our jobs or away from our families as those four fishermen turned fishers of men were. But like them, there is continuity, even in this change of direction. God receives who we are, our strengths and our weaknesses, our skills and our struggles, our joy and our pain, all that we are. God sets us out in the new direction that Jesus leads us, living in God's kingdom, living according to God's reign in our lives here and now. And that is indeed good news, my friends. Thanks be to God that through the Spirit, Jesus meets us where we are even today, in the midst of our lives. But even more than that, thanks be to God that God doesn't just leave us where we are. The Spirit moves us beyond where we are into transformation and new life, more and more oriented toward the reign of God and the way of Jesus. Thanks be to God that that truly is good news, not only for us, but also for the world that we bump up against, for all that we encounter, for all the world that is impacted by the way we live in the reign of God, the way we live in the way of Jesus here and now. Thanks be to God for the spirit that gives us new life to share. Thanks be to God, and amen.